The Money Heroes Podcast from Young Money, supported by HSBC UK. Hello and welcome back to the Money Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hart. Over the next few episodes, we hope to empower both parents and children to develop their financial knowledge and skills. And as a parent myself, I always look for new ways to engage my children on the topic of money. Hearing the experts giving us advice on the previous episode has definitely been interesting in adapting my own skills and confidence to engage my children at home. And I hope that this podcast has also empowered you to begin to expand your conversations about money with all your families. And thanks for all your feedback so far and your participation in the Money Heroes program. It has been great hearing that you're enjoying the activities and resources on offer. Oh, and by the way, you know how I recommend teaching your children to avoid getting scammed? Well, guess what? Since our last podcast, it has happened to me, or happened to my family, I should say. My own teenage daughter received a text from what she thought was her bank. Now, these scammers are cunning because they somehow are able to clone the phone numbers of banks or organisations. So when you double-check whether a number matches your bank, it looks genuine. So the person she thought was at her bank told her that someone had tried to set up a direct debit and she needed to transfer money to a new account. Sounds implausible, but when you're on one of those phone calls, you do get taken in, especially if you're a teenager. So cut a long story short, before I had a chance to speak to her, she ended up transferring nearly £900 to a rogue account. That's right, 900 quid. So she was very upset indeed. I tried not to be angry with her, told her she'd learned a tough lesson. But the happy ending to the story is that the following day, the money came back. The bank security system recognised that it was a scam. So well done to that bank. I was absolutely thrilled and uh, she was very relieved. So I wanted to tell you that just to be on your guard. And if you have older children who have a bank account, make sure you keep pressing the need to be wary of any dodgy texts or emails. Now, it's been a while since our last podcast. So to recap, in the first three episodes, we focused on introducing financial education and the significance of the Money Heroes program in developing financially capable children, introducing activities around money to your children and the Young Money Primary Planning Framework, that supports the planning and delivery of financial education and the value of interactive learning at home, managing needs and wants, as well as developing smart young shoppers. During the short break, our team have been busy creating resources to help you continue developing your child's financial skills and are excited to announce that we have launched our very first Money Heroes story ebook, Ed and Bunny Earn Some Money. At the moment, Ed and Bunny are available to read digitally, with printed copies to come later this year, along with two more storybook titles. So it's only right that we should be joined by Matt Carr, the author of Ed and Bunny, in this episode to discuss the storybook. This is also a great opportunity for Matt to tell us how we can encourage and expand learning through stories. Now, before I welcome Matt, I'd like to talk to you about Children's Mental Health Week, launched by Place to Be in the first week of February this year with the theme of Express Yourself, focusing on encouraging children and young people to share thoughts through creativity. As we've mentioned before, many families 
do actually avoid conversations around money for various reasons, which is only natural. But Money Heroes has been designed to support and encourage you to open these conversations in different ways best suited to you and your children. We believe there is no better time to talk about the Money Heroes storybook than Mental Health Week, with a theme that very much aligns with our message. Storytelling is a really great way to open conversations with your children. And this can be done once you've read the story. You can ask them how they would have handled money in Ed and Bunny's situation or worries that they think that Ed and Bunny might have in relation to money. You can ask your child to write them down if they're visual learners or even a fun drama challenge and ask them to act a scene from the book. Then you can go through the worries and discuss how you tackle them in your family. Ed and Bunny Earn Some Money covers a few themes from the primary planning framework, such as keeping money safe, feelings about money, as well as using money. So you can take a look at the learning objective under each theme and ask your child questions to understand what they've learned about each topic and what you'll need to focus on teaching them about going forward. So if you haven't completed the Money Heroes activities, you have the ability to filter through themes on the platform and complete activities that relate to the topic. By the end of this, you will have covered at least one financial education theme with your child in a fun and creative way. The Money Heroes podcast, supporting you to develop financially capable children. Well, now I'm joined by author Matt Carr to tell us about the value of developing children's education through stories and using the Money Heroes storybooks to learn about money management. Well, Matt Carr studied graphic design and then worked as, amongst other things, a sign writer and mural painter before working in a London-based design agency. He's now a freelance designer and the author and illustrator of picture books Spider, Superbat, Rocket Mole, Rhinocorn Rules and Now Wash Your Hands. And in his book, Matt tries to combine his love of bold graphic illustration and, let's say, ridiculous humour. That hopefully appeals to readers of all ages. It certainly appeals to me. Welcome, Matt. Very excited to have you with us today. Hello. How are you? All right. Very good, thank you. Tell us about Ed and Bunny, Earn Some Money, and the relevance of the storyline. <laughs> well, Ed and Bunny, Earn Some Money, which is the first book. Ed is a red squirrel who's reasonably sensible, and his best mate, Bunny, is a sort of more carefree rabbit, and they are best mates and they sort of hang out together all the time. And they decide to earn a bit of pocket money. So they earn the pocket money doing various chores. Ed wants to squirrel a bit of his money away. But Bunny is just, he wants to go hell for leather and splash all his cash on sweets, <laughs> which he does. Even though Ed is like, don't go too crazy. But he does. He eats all the sweets too fast and gets a tummy ache ends up going home to bed feeling very, very sorry for himself. But Ed comes over with a special gift at the end and makes it all better. Sounds like these are storylines that uh, obviously really appeal to children. I know they appeal to mine. And I understand that we should be expecting another title for the Key Stage 1 storybooks. Can you tell us anything about the other storyline? Well, yes, the, the second story is... The first one is Ed and Bunny earn some money. The second is Ed and Bunny spend some money. See what I did there? <laughs> so yeah. basically their parents, Ed's dad is cooking a nut roast and Bunny's mum is cooking a carrot cake. 
and they've never been to the shop before they give them a fiver each to get the ingredients they need but bunny as usual buys a chocolate bar out of the fiver which means when they get to the checkout bunny is 22p short so ed has Mm. to step in and help out but there's chaos along the way bunny tries to jump to get the nuts are on a high shelf let's just say so bunny jumps to get them for his best mate ed and takes the whole shelf out basically whenever bunny does something there's usually a mess involved yeah he's the stooge he he is yeah Uh, but he always tries to help (laughs) they both help each other but when bunny does try to help it's usually chaos yeah that's pretty much it and great fun yeah hopefully and it rhymes that both books are rhyming books i always find that quite good for when you have to repeat read them and there are of course various children's books available why do you think the ed and bunny series will be successful well uh they're colorful they're sort of an easy read and they're stories that kids and adults can relate to i mean i don't know how many children's books feature a sort of quasi lesson about spending money but actually it's it's fun i don't think many do to be honest you've cornered the market there matt well yes young enterprise approached me to do it it's quite nice when you're given a a sort of task yes you know rather than just trying to think of something sparks sparks ideas doesn't it well you have to you know you're like okay i've got to think of you know from a blank canvas Hmm. what i'm gonna do and obviously I just thought of quite an obvious thing, I suppose. A squirrel's a bit of a saver and a a bunny rhymes with money. Yeah. (laughs) So it's that simple, really. Yes, I I agree. It is simple, but sometimes the simplest stories are the best. What what do you think the kids will love so much about the characters in the series? Is there anything you can sort of pick out? I mean, you've mentioned it already, but getting into the, the, the mind of a child, um, some people are very good at it. And obviously you are. Well, ever since I was little, I've liked, for instance, inanimate objects, making them into as though they've got a little life of their own. And, you know, little things like a lot of my other books are like spiders. And um, I mean, my first book was about a crow called Russell, Russell the Scared Crow, and putting a personality into something that, like a spider or a bat, I always find quite funny. So... Matt, what inspired you to get involved with the Money Heroes programmes and and write storybooks on financial education? How far back are we going? Well, I, before the first lockdown, I did a poster to give out free to a hand washing poster to give out to schools when everyone was trying to promote hand washing. And it featured an, an octopus called Doris the Doctopus, basically only because she had more hands than everyone else. That was the gag and then scholastic asked me to make a book out of that which i did and i had to turn it around in a month it was quite a fast turnaround and it seemed to go pretty well and then when the young enterprise money heroes books came along they approached me to to do them because they thought i think they thought that i could sort of do a similar thing with information but put it into a funny sort of context story without making it too heavy yeah because i'm obviously a bear of little brain and (laughs) um i think that helps when i can barely understand stuff i'm sure that's not true well the sixty-four thousand dollar question i suppose is what makes 
a great educational children's book? I mean, what do you think captures children's imaginations? Well, for me, it's when the information is weaved into like humour mm. or great graphics or great, you know, like horrible histories, for instance. The books of those then onto the se- the TV of that, it's just perfect because you, you forget that you're learning because you're laughing your head off at Queen Mary or whatever, you know, with a cake on her head. I don't know. I think that that's the way to do it for me. And also, I always think that pretty much every children's book has got you learn something from anyway, you know, whether it be learning about friendship, kindness, or not worrying too much. Talking of parents, Matt, my kids are often asking me to make up a story, read a story, tell a story. And um, uh, sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I get inspired. I think making something relevant to them that they understand, maybe a story about something that happened during the day, something that they, like you mentioned, going to the supermarket, you know. So what is your advice to parents and educators who would like to make storytelling exciting or interesting or both? Um, Well, I'm a dad as well. But what I do when I do a, uh, if I'm telling, doing a story event or a session is, I mean, I usually put on stupid clothes and, wigs and uh do funny voices because i find that to me that helps i mean once you look an an idiot in front of kids they like that because that breaks they do don't they Hmm. but but then weirdly when i used to read to my my daughters they'd hate it if i did a voice i'd do the gruffalo and do it in a you know stupid voice and they'd be we want you to do just do the normal voice they they hated (laughs) me doing my voices which was For me, I didn't like because, you know, you, I didn't about you read the same book over and over again. And you're just like, I want to just jazz it up a bit with some voices or do something yeah. just to get me through because I'm tired and I want to go to bed. But um, Your kids sound like a tough crowd. They were. <laughs> yes, they are a tough crowd. But luckily, I don't have to do it anymore. They're all, they're all grown up, are they? Well, they're, they're older, so they, they, they just think I'm an idiot, which is great. Let me ask you another question. How can we create more learning opportunities through the world of stories for children. I mean, here we are in 2021, right in the middle currently of a lockdown and looking for things for the kids to do of all ages. Reading is certainly one of them and making the opportunities for them to read is absolutely crucial, isn't it? There's never been a more important time. No, no. I think characters are, especially for younger kids, if kids are engaged with a character like Peppa Pig, for instance, you know, you're halfway there to get, you've got their attention. And then if there's a book with Peppa Pig does this or that, then they're going to be educated through that rather than doing it with something they don't really know. I mean, I also do infographic books and like for adults and kids. And I think bold graphics, bringing things to life with graphics is a good way of getting young minds sort of on board because it makes it easier it certainly does for me rather than just dry text absolutely and as we know this generation of younger children um have more devices to hand than any previous um it's quite worrying sometimes because children tend to get very distracted uh, playing yeah. uh, maybe with toys or even scrolling through the internet on their parents' tablets or phones. I'm I'm definitely guilty of that. 
and sometimes you just use it as a babysitter you know you just think oh just i just need an hour of yeah. time to do my work or just relax mm. so tough question um i don't know whether you can answer this but do you have any tips for encouraging and engaging children to read when they'd much rather go to a device well again i would say apart from throwing everything technological away in your house which is impossible I mean, I definitely... It can be done. It, it can, can be, be done, done, but you're not very popular. And no. you have to be really tough. You have to find a place to lock up you would have everything. To. It's, yeah. I don't know many parents who can do that. And also, that we're as guilty as... Absolutely. We're as guilty as our kids. Absolutely. I do think the reading, half an hour reading with your kids at night before they go to bed, reading to them is the... I mean, that's as good a start as any because it definitely gets them to have a love of books. I also think that giving your kids paper and pens and saying make up stories and characters you know even if they do it for an hour here and there because once they get going you'll find that I, I think that they do come up with some hilarious stuff and they get into it you know like when we were kids that's what you had when it was you were either out playing football or when it was raining I was always in there's nothing on telly there was no nothing else to do and it was a bit of paper and making up football games or drawing characters and that's all we did making up stories yeah and i didn't particularly read when i was a kid i didn't read much at all my first thing that got me into reading was playing it was like a game book it was called the warlock of firetop mountain and you basically had a dice and you went through the book rolled the dice and it would tell you which page you should go to it was like a journey through the book and it was amazing so how much time do you think parents and teachers should spend reading books with children how would you suggest they expand uh, the learning once they finish reading the book because you don't want to force you don't want to force them to no, listen no. to your reading do you i mean you no. can tell it often happens to me yes. there's a point where they get tired yeah. or they're not interested yeah. or maybe i'm tired and not that interested i'm just going through the motions and it's keeping that and i suppose don't go to bed too late if you're reading them a, a story yes, yeah. uh, for bed don't leave it too late no and uh, and also try and make it really interesting or maybe even one of your books well that's obviously that is the <laughs> optimum you know that's what i i would want all parents to be reading my books no i don't know it's a difficult question being a parent and uh, I know how little time I have, so it's it's difficult. I think one of the lessons I've learned, actually, during this period over the last year or so is keeping things regular. Yes. And, yep. again, I have tried and failed many, many times. Mm. Uh, believe me, I'm no saint. But if you have bath time at 7, yep. dinner at 6, and so on, and reading at half past 7, mm. we are, as human beings, creatures of habit. Yes, definitely. I mean, we've actually, well, over the last year, we started doing art club on a Wednesday. So we'd all sit down. I mean, my daughters, all of us would sit down on a Wednesday night. It started with the Grayson Perry art club. We were watching that. And then so we would sit down and each week someone would say, oh, we'll do a portrait or we'll do, you know, dogs this week. And it's really been nice to just just sit and draw or paint it's that's been really nice and that has become a little regular sort of thing so I, I would advise doing that because I believe that everyone can draw and paint I just think that they just don't think they can mm. you know everyone's got a style you can't fake a style of drawing and even if you don't think you're a brilliant artist there'll still be something in your style I mean on my Twitter 
feed, sometimes teachers will put up or a parent will put up something a kid's done. And it's, I mean, it's like a Picasso. Like they're, they're amazing. There's some brilliant stuff out there and everyone's got a different style, which I love. I think it's great. Totally agree. We're coming to the end of our conversation, unfortunately, but is there anything else you can add about teaching children specifically financial education through storytelling or indeed the money hero storybooks that we haven't covered? I mean, I was saying before that it's quite nice. The whole thing about the in the Ed and Bunny books, for instance, is the cash, you know, the fact that they're getting they earn some pocket money and they earn some physical coins because nowadays the value of money is quite different to when we were small. You know, it's all credit, a little card and you think, oh, well, that's I can buy anything with that. Whereas when you actually earn some coins and you could hold them and look at them and you know notes uh it sort of has a more special value so i think that's been quite nice to do because in the at the start and the end of the book there's a little sort of info page about all the different coins and and notes and i think that's that's quite good for kids and just the whole earning pocket money is quite nice to that lovely feeling that you used to get when you you weren't you know i mean i grew up in a shop so i i always was earning pocket money doing all sorts of jobs so and it's a nice feeling you've got your own makes you feel a bit more grown up which i love absolutely yeah absolutely matt it really has been great talking to you today we really appreciate your advice and expertise and look forward to seeing the rest of the series of storybooks being released it's thank been you. great thank, thank you. you so it's been much lovely to speak to you thanks very much and thanks to all those listening in on this episode of the Money Heroes podcast. I hope that you are as excited as we are about Ed and Bunny. Really looking forward to it. So if you'd like to share anything you've taken away from this episode, please visit moneyheroes.org.uk or get in touch at moneyheroes at y-m.org.uk. All the details are there. Until next time, goodbye. The Money Heroes Podcast, from Young Money, supported by HSBC UK. Available on your favourite podcast app. Please listen and subscribe.